Testing, one, two, three, testing. I, I think it works. Okay. This is Lisa Harrison from Mad Money Monster, and I am here as always with Mr. Mad Money Monster. And we are bringing you this podcast to talk about your finances and talk about improving your finances and to get you on the right path through relatable and hopefully entertaining stories. We can only hope. <laughs> Let's get into it. Hello, it's Lisa Harrison from the Mad Money Monster Show, and I'm here with Mr. Mad Money Monster. We are here. We are back, and we have a good one today. I think so. There was a Twitter storm. Probably some of you have heard of it. I believe it was back on January 10th. Tracy Alloway tweeted, um, she's the executive editor at Bloomberg, by the way. She tweeted a, a question, or maybe a statement. Let me read it. One thing I've often wondered, does the financial independence retire early movement survive the eventual end of the current bull market? The idea of pouring all your money into VT Sachs and living off it for the rest of your life feels like such a bull market thing. So that was an interesting statement. And then she got an interesting response. From from, Jason Zweig. Right, over at uh, the Wall Street Journal. And he tweeted back, no, because the fintech companies paying thousands of dollars a month in poorly disclosed affiliate marketing fees to all those quote unquote independent fire bloggers will run out of VC cash in a bear market. And that just created a flurry of activity on Twitter. It, it, I don't think it broke Twitter, but maybe it came I, close. I hate those stupid <laughs> phrases. It kind of led to a question It's a very simple question. A question or even a statement for us, right? What's wrong with working for the man? Right. What's wrong with working for corporate America? Now, I do not work for corporate America. Right. I mean, But I'm asking that question in sincerity for those who do. Why are people, why does this movement seem to want to shame people also as well for making the choice to work for a corporation and, uh, you know, bring home a, a nice steady paycheck and benefits and all of that. Right. And for us, we were fire enthusiasts uh, turned, I, I guess you could say skeptics. Yes. You know, I was, well, you so, know me, I was the skeptic. So we before. were really interested in reading what other people had to say. And there was, there were a lot of interesting comments back. So obviously there were a lot of fire disciples arguing heavily in favor of the movement surviving based on x y and z and they had good good reasons for backing that up but like i said for us it it just begged that question yes fire is great what happens if you know and that kind of was in line with those tweets like what happens if we have a major recession what happens if you have a major illness what happens if this is not the first time these questions have been asked So, um, you know, you and I started expounding upon the fact of also where where did this resentment for corporate America originate? And we kind of went down the path of a brief history. In In our opinion. Of what's wrong with working for the man. Where did it come from? How has it infiltrated our society? And why does it persist and and pop up in various, I guess, um, movements such as the fire movement sure right so we went through many things we talked about movies which you had great great examples well we'll talk about that okay um we talked about tv we talked about a fluorescent light study which i actually wanted to look up but i didn't get a chance to okay but i will look that up and and link to it in the show notes if i yeah 
am able to. Uh, we talked about World War II. We talked about hippies and yuppies. And <laughs> sure. So do you want to go into all that? This is completely subjective in our interpretation of the question. Sure. Okay. So I, I think I want to go back all the way to uh, the foundation of America with the Revolutionary War. <laughs> and, and really, seriously. This is not going to be a brief history. It, it's, <laughs> yes, it will be. Because I'm, I'm going to do this in like, you know, quick bites. And that is... We overthrew the British Empire. Not everybody wants to think, oh, it was all about freedom and independence and all that. It had a lot to do with money and business. Well, John yes. Hancock, Sam Adams, and the boys and all them were, were making a pretty good market, you know, with, uh, you know, the, the black market doing things, you know, behind the empire's back is really what it was. And a lot of attitude was, is why am I paying the empire when we can just pay ourselves? Mm -hmm. And so there, there was that movement that came out. Why? Technically, the British Empire is corporate America. And then you go further into history where America was always seen to be built upon. We are the go-getters. We do things differently. We do things differently than old Europe. And independent. And independent. Independence was America. Correct. Yes. And we were the young nation. We're the young upstarts. Sure. We were the baby boomers, okay, of Europe, of the world at that time. Europe was the old generation. We're breaking out. We're showing what can be done. And we talked about this in a previous episode, look, we showed what we could do when we had to roll up our sleeves in manufacturing and, and economic might in both world wars. We, we saw that and we conquered an, uh, a continent and we, we did all these things. We put a man on the moon. We'll go into all of that. But my point is uh, we struck out as very independent in working away from the status quo and the said system. Which was the man. Which was At technically the, time. the man. Which, yeah. if you want to argue with the British Empire, was the king. So yeah. where King George was the man, whatever you want to call <laughs> that. So then let's flash forward to um, World War II, which is really a major turning point for, for America. And it's, it's not just an economic turning point. And there's something else that I, I feel very strongly about. And that is, up until World War II, America and the world was kind of going a certain way. And World War I had shown... Uh, the devastation of what can happen when when technology now has expanded so far that World War One earned the nickname or the or the moniker of the war, the war to end all wars. Well, we know how that went, <laughs> and um, you know, less than than twenty years later, we're we're right back at war again anyway. So we saw the devastation from World War One, which was pretty concentrated. It was located mostly in in you know the fields of France and in the lowlands and such. So it wasn't a, a truly, I mean, even though it's a world war, it, the destruction did not really escape out to other continents or things like that. Then you have World War II and technology had grown in that time, mass production, all of these things, mechanized warfare, air warfare, which was just in its infancy in World War I. And now we're dropping, you know, we're saturating, you know, uh, landscapes with, with bombs and everything. But here's where it comes down to. We ended World War II with the atomic bomb and nuclear energy and jet propulsion and rocket technology. We went in with propellers and and lower technology and left almost like we swung around the sun and came back with something all brand new. And then that generation comes home, they have children, and these children grow up what I used to call the victory culture, which were the flush years right after World War II and the economy for the United States is booming and we're manufacturing most of the world's goods. But now you have a group that is growing up in a culture of fear. And that is we now have a device, the atomic bomb, that can wipe out all life on Earth. 
Okay, we're not talking about, oh, the war to end all wars. We're talking about these bombs have now been affixed to rockets and are now intercontinental ballistic missiles. They grew up with a Cuban Missile Crisis. They grew up with all of these things in an unsure world. So it fosters and creates a new generation, these baby boomers of, I better get mine now because if I don't, there may be no tomorrow to get mine. And it created a whole different attitude which will evolve into a, a counterculture movement of, of the late 40s and 50s and then into the hippie movement. And then it will, it will swing back around as well too, but you created this very selfish me, me, me kind of thing. I don't want what my parents had at first. They, they totally rebelled against that. And that was the hippies? The hippies. They rebelled against all of that. But then there was a swing around to the yuppie movement where it was still all about, I'm going to get mine. And then remember, we, we went right into the Gordon Gecko era of, of Wall Street, the movie. We'll be getting into all of, of movies' influence, but greed is good. We, you know, Alex Keaton on Family Ties was all about money and making money, and I'm taking what is mine. And we had a whole new attitude that came in where Hollywood, history, television, all of these things created this kind of, there were many, many different factors created this kind of, I'm not working for corporate America. And you're saying, but wait a minute, you just talked about corporate America, but we're talking about how they started out as these independent trailblazers, but really end up embracing that corporate movement, even though they don't like it. And I can give an example of that. I was just going with, to ask for an example. Well, we can talk about, for example, with movies, uh, before we get into different movies that that support this, why you should hate corporate America, mm -hmm. let's look at two of the founders against the corporate system, the studio system, and that is George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Now, both of these men are known for coming in and upsetting the entire system. They were the hippies of the film movement. They came in where Alfred Hitchcock and Frank Capra and other directors, Billy Wilder, they directed in suits and ties or more formal wear. Spielberg and Lucas are wearing jeans and they're wearing baseball caps and they're they're making movies that, that nobody wanted to make. Star Wars, for example, got passed around Hollywood for years before 20th Century Fox took a risk on it and still expected it to bomb. And yet it was also George who meets up with Spielberg who did Jaws, Spielberg did Jaws, and created really what is the modern blockbuster. But yet they were seen as these independent upstarts that were not working for the corporate studio system. But what we really see now in hindsight is they were just redefining the corporate system. And I'm going to say, you've enjoyed Spielberg and oh, Lucas's movies. I'm sure most people, people listening most people right have. now. So my question is, what did they do so wrong? They gave us entertainment. They gave us big blockbusters, E.T., Raiders of the Lost Ark, Star Wars, and, and how many Star Wars movies are we on now? And now we argue, we fight that corporate Disney has taken over Star Wars and has ruined Star Wars. And Spielberg has been out there lobbying against Netflix because he is saying that, you know, movies have to play in a theater to qualify for Oscars and Netflix is diluting the brand. Now the irony is, is that Spielberg and Lucas are the very two people that created a system that no longer really allows smaller films to compete for screen time. And they have to go to streaming platforms where they can get aired and seen because the summer is taken up by huge blockbusters that allow nothing smaller, the little guy to get in. 
So while they railed against corporate America and the corporate studio system, they when actually, they were starting, they were really, when they were starting, they were really reinventing it into their own terms is what they were doing. So for Spielberg to go to Netflix and say, you should be denied having your product, your original films qualify for Academy Awards is extremely hypocritical. Now Spielberg, of course, is part of Apple Plus and, and all of that. So we'll see what happens as the streaming wars take place. But that is all working for the man, is what it is, even though they like everybody to think they weren't working for the man. They just reinvented <laughs> the man. So let's make it more relatable now to people listening. And that is, you know, the, the, the big things I've gotten out of this fire movement is, oh, I don't want to sit under fluorescent lights and I don't want to go by the schedule of, of corporate America and all that. Well, where does that also come from? So, well, so yeah, let's talk about the fluorescent let's, lights. Let's, so that what, by the way, for anybody listening out there, I want to, I want to make this known if you're new or you haven't heard us say this before. Uh, Mr. Mad Money Monster used to be a history teacher. Now you've got over the years, you've got movies and television that are moving us away from the embracing of the corporate lifestyle that was so good to the previous generation and saying that, you know, uh, you know working for, for schedules and working under those fluorescent lights are just killing you and draining you and, and soul crushing. I've heard that oh, term yeah. used Sucking all the time. The Sucking the life out of me. Sucking the life out of me. Oh, they suck the life out of They right. don't suck the life out of And me. before you think I'm going over <laughs> but, the top on this, in the early 70s, there was this back to basics movement in our entertainment. But Suddenly, wait, before we get there, talk about that fluorescent light study. Okay, Did well, all I know is, here's what I know. And you can we'll, we'll find the articles to provide the notes for to back it up. There was a Japanese study, I believe is what it was, where they started uh, changing the way that the lighting system, the fluorescent lighting system in their offices was implemented. And they were changing the, the wattage, you know, that kind of thing, the level of lighting to get more productivity out of their, their Sound, workers, right. yep. okay? Which interprets to many people as you're turning us into machines, you're turning us into guinea pigs is mm -hmm. what you're doing, you're sucking the life out of me. Mm -hmm. And then there was one study that I saw, and again, I have no scientific merit for this, and I don't even know how scientifically sound it was, but saying that fluorescent light literally can negate vitamins in your skin, <laughs> such as sunlight can create vitamin D, fluorescent light does the opposite effect. Um, but so all we'll of us, that up. Yeah. we'll look it up. And you yeah. know what? Really, for the sake of it, it doesn't matter if it's for it real or not. It doesn't matter. That's correct. As it long doesn't. as the info, as long as that gets out there and gets correct. in people's heads, and it did, some people will take it as fact and will latch onto it, and the media will distribute it, and then it, then it becomes fact, even if it isn't. And then it becomes this thing where people go, "Oh, I, I read, I heard about this study." And some people even <laughs> go, that "It's like the Mandela effect." Will say, "I read this study," even though that study may not even exist. <laughs> but then in the early seventies. You had this back to basics movement in our entertainment, and that is the woods are better, the forests are better, everything's better. And then you have shows like The Waltons and Little House on the Prairie. Oh, I love Little House. Right? We still and watch that. Grizzly <laughs> Adams, the life and times of Grizzly Adams. And that was a movie. So it's back to basics. It's back to basics. And then we had this one film. Uh, called The Wilderness Family. And it was about yep. a family that left smog-choked L.A. for mm. the simplicity and the beauty and the cleanliness of, of nature, where, of course, they which, had to fight a grizzly bear. Which sounds like some else. of the bloggers out there. Exactly. <laughs> it sounds like that. And it all sounds great. But all of this comes in to reinforce we're not working for the man yes. anymore. We're leaving We're creating this our system. own freedom. Exactly. We are creating our own life. We're living on our own terms. We're making our own decisions. So let's go even a little deeper into the, the later 70s. And you've got 
or even the early 80s. And, and then you've got this whole thing where, you know, you've, you've got Reagan coming in in a very conservative and greed is good movement and Wall Street and all of that stuff. But then you've got other people going, no way, I'm not doing this. And our movies reflect that. I'll give you an example. The opening moments of Stripes, Bill Murray quits his job. Okay, he's out. So, uh, so before we move forward with that, the '80s were a time of of prosperity as well. Of course. So it was almost like the bull market we're experiencing yes. today. Yes. Yes. And we have the same theme where you know people are doing well, well enough to, hey, I'm out. Yeah. I'm gonna do it differently. Yeah. Keep going. Okay. Stripes. So Bill stripes, Murray. and and then of course Bill Murray. See, here's the thing about two Bill Murray movies I'm going to give you, and that is he comes across as this great individual anti-hero saying, screw you to the to the system, to the man. And really, he's a jerk. His characters <laughs> are jerks. His John Winger quits what should have been a steady job, and the woman in the back seat, if you go back and watch that movie, and she's basically saying, you're nothing but a slacker, is what you are. And his girlfriend leaves him for the same reason. He quits his job, just drops the keys off the bridge and leaves his taxi and the woman on the bridge joins the military because he has no better options, runs that into the ground. And actually, Sergeant Holka is the man in Stripes who's saying hard work, discipline, right? Upright character, strength and courage. That's what makes a man. Well, not Bill Murray. He breaks all the rules, gets his fellow company in trouble is a slacker, steals a military vehicle, and almost triggers World War III. And we're celebrating And we're celebrating that. (laughs) That's what I want to be. But now wait, before you think I'm going overboard, let's go to Ghostbusters. (laughs) Oh, everybody loves Ghostbusters. Everybody loves Ghostbusters. You know, I never saw Stripes, so I'm guessing some of our audience has never saw Stripes. Okay. But I bet most of them have seen Ghostbusters. So let's go to Ghostbusters. Well, I think probably most people have. And Ghostbusters start, how does it start out? They're working for a college university. They're bucking all the rules. They're working for the man. Working for the man, follow, yep, and and they're really doing a really lousy job of working for yes, the man. They're not in fact, producing the research. In fact, they're they're, they're totally bogus scientists. Correct. Yes, and the dean comes in and explains that as he's cleaning out their lab <laughs> and telling them he gives them a definitive reason why you're being fired. Your 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 practices are are probably illegal. You have no scientific basis to back anything up. You're basically a carnival snake oil you're basically salesman. Basically stealing money from the university. Yeah. Yes. And so they go out. Uh, they go on their own. It's Bill Murray's idea to start this ghost Entrepreneurial right, venture. By right? suckering in Dan Aykroyd, <laughs> who has to put three mortgages on his family home. Oh, I forgot remember, about that. Yeah, to, to pay for all of this. <laughs> yes. And then they build this equipment, which we don't know how, and that's fine. Suspension of disbelief. But they say it in the elevator when Harold Ramis says, we're basically wearing nuclear fusion reactors on our back (laughs) and they flick it on and the other Ghostbusters move to to the back of the elevator like this. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) This equipment is dangerous. We don't know. And then enter Walter Peck. uh, The jerk. Yeah. The man. Yeah. The man. Who is just, he is just terrific. He is the man. He's He's the the EPA. EPA. Yep. EPA man. Who actually... Is right when he comes in. <laughs> but he's villainized. He's and villainized. Yes, he comes in and he says, "I want to know more of what you're doing here." Yeah, there could be all kinds of environmental impacts. Blah 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 blah. And at first you're going, "Oh, yeah, he's a bad guy," and then you're thinking afterwards, you go, "Actually, Walter Peck was pretty much kind of right. <laughs> like the Ghostbusters only triumph in the end, really by accident." <laughs> 
Well, it's not because they had a devised plan and a scientific understanding of the supernatural. These are basically carnival barkers with nuclear proton packs on their back. So, but that encourages this, oh, we're breaking free of the system. Yes, we're, yes, yes. We're, we're, you know, we're, we're saying no business, to the man. Right. Making our own money, Look making at our it. own way. Let's go further. Yep. Let's go into gremlins. Okay? Everybody's seen and gremlins every, too. And yes. everybody's going again, what is this guy talking about? And I'm telling you, what is Billy Peltzer's job He's in gremlins? He's a bank teller. He's a bank He's teller. He's a steady Eddie bank teller. But what does working, he really want to do? Working for the man. He wants to be an artist. He wants to be an artist. He's an individual. Which, by the way, there is no, we're not bashing artists, no, by the way. <laughs> but why can't he be more like Gerald, the younger... Oh, I remember that. The, the vice president, his, okay? His, He's, yes. And remember the, the big bank owner is like, you need to be more like yes. Gerald. And Gerald's in the suit and tie, and he's talking about his nice fancy car. He's trying to impress Phoebe Cates, right? But not Billy. Billy's the one who ends up with the little mogwai and a lot of monsters that tear up a town and, as you all know, turned into a horror movie halfway through. But, again, Billy was breaking away. That, that was that message. It was, might have, you, you may say I'm reaching here, but I'm telling you. Oh, I don't you, think you are. There is no. a message to say, get away from corporate America. Get away. Be individual. Be individual. And we could go into horror. We could go into all kinds of things. But my point is, let's move directly then to one of the biggest ones. And that is office space. And office space resonated with something. Now, let me give you a little quick background. But office space didn't beat around the bush. No, it did not. It was like, I just don't want to work anymore. And this is where I'm going to end up (laughs) shutting up after this. But office space did something really interesting here. And that is, first of all, it was made and released and it bombed. Most people don't realize that. It was a box office failure because 20th Century Fox didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know what market. I don't know how you could not know this. See, it, and that's why I'm betting most right. people listening to this right now. Oh my God, it's my favorite movie of all time. Right. And it be, thanks to home video, it got a whole new audience and probably even a bigger audience than it ever could have in theaters because people can relate to of it. Of course. They know what it's like. They And not just the grind of corporate America, but working with some of the bozos that you work with and for in corporate America. Right. Okay? Right. So it gives a very strong message of when Ron Livingston gets hypnotized and suddenly just doesn't care about anything. And I love that one line. We notice you've been missing a lot of work. And he goes, well, I, I can't. I haven't I, said I've been missing it. I wouldn't it. really say I've been missing it, Bob, is what he, and that's a great line. Yes. But now I'm going to throw it to you. Please. What is it that Ron Livingston's character says he wants to do? Nothing. Nothing. I want to do nothing. I want to do nothing. And it's going to be everything I dreamed it could be. Yes. And you know what? Doesn't that sound great? We would all love to do nothing, but I'm going to give or you... have the... Uh, I think people want to have the option to right. do nothing. It's not like they really want to do nothing. Like, they want to wake up, and they don't want to have to go to the office. They don't want to have to sit under those lights. Right, but and that's fine. Yeah. But why is there a movement out there in our media, uh, everywhere, online... That wants to shame people. That's the that's for working a job. You know, a lot of people work their corporate jobs and they love it. They love the people they work that's with. That's the piece. Yes. What's wrong with that? There's nothing it's wrong not with that. It's not soul crushing. For no, many it's people. not. In fact, no, it's not. In fact, I, I I say this all the time. Like when we when we gave up on fire, you know, it's because of many things. And one of those things is I realized yeah, I don't hate my job. I actually right. I actually like it. 
I like the people I work with. I have a history with them. I, I enjoy going in. Like, I have meetings actually scheduled for tomorrow, and I'm excited. I'm excited to go. I'm excited to have those meetings and to work with those people and to get the project done. And, like, I don't know. I, I enjoy that. Now, yes, I could, I could find some. I could leave it, and I could find something else. But you know what? Most people don't have that option, don't right. have that... Because they have families they have to support. And they there's have nothing maybe, wrong with maybe that. Maybe parents they have to support. Children they're trying to put through college or will go to college or whatever, technical school. Whatever. What, what I have seen is the internet has done something very different than television or movies. And that is the internet has given us a direct pipeline to people. Like it's not only direct, it's extremely personal. It's influence. It's, it, it's not personal just... Personal influence. Right. And, but it, it really goes after people. So you get... These kind of like different movements, like the the back to basics movement between television and, and movies. Yeah, I'm, I don't think there was really a huge rush of people running to go out and build cabins in the Oregon hills and and leave their corporate jobs. But the internet has found a way to almost inject this thinking into people and who would not have thought of it otherwise. Correct. It's very correct. like niche specific. Like yes. you scroll through Facebook and you see the tiny house group and you see the RV yes. um, group and you see, you know, the fire people and you see like all these specific yes. and you might and you might you might be interested in camping or whatever, but then you have suggested groups based on your other interests that you would not other so everything is interconnected and it gives you and inescapable and that's that's look that's how i found the fire movement i was just seriously just searching for you know money management how to save you know a lot of money in a short amount of time like things like that it just sort of popped up it's kind of how some people will tell you they fell into their religious cult (laughs) well that's another podcast entirely (laughs) (laughs) That's our brief history, our take, our subjective take on, quote unquote, what's wrong with working for the man. That I don't see anything wrong with it if it brings you happiness, financial stability, taking care of your family, all of those things. Who are you hurting? And it doesn't even, like, that's another thing. Happiness is so, like, I don't know. You can't, like, touch happiness. You can't put a, so to say you're, I'm a little bit happy, I'm kind of happy, I'm super happy. I don't know. As long as you're generally good with your life, there's nothing wrong with right. working this job, this corporate job or what. I've got an idea for another podcast and that <laughs> Please, is about, let me write this well, down. <laughs> well it is and, and just what you said and that is we're also, the internet has created, we're, we're also told what level of happiness we yes. need to be at. Yes, yes. Okay. You need to, you be, need to be on this cloud nine yes. all the time. Right. And if you're and not, if you're not <laughs> exactly. then Thank there's you. something wrong and I have a course to sell. Exactly. You. <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. And with that, we're hit and stop. We're hit and stop. We'll Thank you for ya. listening. Hope to hear some feedback on this <laughs> and uh, love your job. Yes. Even if it's just a little. Uh, head on over to iTunes and give us a like and a review. And if you want to read our blog, it's madmoneymonster.com. And we are all over social media at Mad Money Monster. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at themadmoneymonster at gmail.com.